Kiara and good Northern. Wasn't teed Scott, up, mate. You didn't Wasn't play. It's not my that, fault. It's it not is, my it, fault. Who yeah, set it up earlier? Was fault. it Steps? We're going to start the show off with steps? a good old scratch. Scott Brown versus Nathan Wait Snape. a second. Let me talk, okay? If it was Steps or Sam, they were the one that butchered it at the start. It's not my fault. I'm not taking the flack for that. You're not taking the no, flack for that? You're going to go straight and rip into Sam straight away? Whoever set it up, you didn't put the little bit on about... Sam or or Steps. What about Meredith? You're going to have a shot at her as well? Melissa, you're going to shot at her. There's a great team here. You can have a shot at Scott Brown. Welcome, Kiora. You are live with Today Radio Studio 4 in Kirschberg, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport. Don't you know it? You're with myself, Nathan Snaid, old grumpy guts across from me, Scott Brown. Grumpy guts. I'm just not taking the flack for that It's the 5th of July, show 111. What are we called, Zero? Nelson. Nelson's up. It's, uh, it's is when that cricket, isn't it? When they get to one 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 in cricket, it's called Nelson's up, yeah, is yeah, it? Nelson. Well, tonight is a Nelson. Nelson's and up. The weather. It's a bit of a cool dipperoo, really, isn't it? What does dipperoo mean? It's a cool dipperoo, like a dip, dip your toes in the, think... dip your toes in the, in the water. It's cold. It's not well. I believe the weather's getting warmer for it was, the. It was, fr- it was fresh, weekend. fresh enough this morning, mate. Fresh enough this morning. As always, it's Wednesday. It's our domestic show. You can get involved. Six two one five two five thousand. We would love you to chuck your fifty cents in. I have got three pairs of tickets for the polo this weekend. What's Hugo Batani saying? Oh, the swimmers, eh? He's giving you a shout out already. We've <laughs> uh, got three sets of tickets for the polo. We were at it last year. Cracking event uh plenty of booze plenty of cremant you know everyone getting all doled up nathan uh we were a little bit ginger when we were up there from uh last year weren't we but it was a cracking event and they've gone bigger and bigger and better that's the 10th anniversary they're having on up there yeah so good luck to them um as i said um if you're interested in uh getting older these tickets check out my post this evening i'll ask a question and we will pick our um, guess before the weekend. Three pa- three pairs of tickets. Yep. As al- 5,000. As always, we start things off with uh, sport and the history in the world today. Nathan, you've got a few perlers in here. All you have to talk about is rugby, mate. You're worse uh, than me. Uh, the reason I'm talking about rugby today is because we. you asked me a question last week, which was Jonah Lomu. And it was his, uh, he became the youngest ever All Black at 19 years and 45 days. And your yeah. question was, was he the youngest ever? And I'm just reconfirming, yes, he was the youngest All Black ever. So just to clear that up, that's enough for rugby. I'm going to go back to 1890, 1898 in the history of the world today. And Lizzie Arlington, she became the first woman to play professional men's baseball when she pitched in the ninth innings for the Reading Coal Heavers against Allentown Peanuts. I like that name. She allowed two hits and a walk, uh, and she walked a batter, but ultimately uh, preserved a 5-0 win. And that was she, the, the crowd was so lighted that they were actually chanting, good f- good, good for Lizzie, good for Lizzie. So uh, well done, Lizzie Arlington. Moving up the order or closer, closer to our time, 1973, Test Cricket debut for English umpire Harold Dickie Bird. That name ring a bell, Scott? Yeah, legend. Yep, he... Uh, it he used was, to wear the flat cap, didn't he, when he was umpiring? That's exactly right. It was versus New Zealand at Leeds. He uh, he went on to do 66 tests and 69 one-day internationals. Like, you talk about cricket being tough to watch. Imagine having to umpire it. For five days in times sixty six, yeah, plus all the 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 rain delays, Ooh, tiresome, brutal, brutal. Tiresome. And you got to, you must stand with your hands behind your back as well the whole time, Scott. Like a side, like a. I don't think you have to. I think you can put your hands in your pocket. That's what a lot of them pocket. do. Because you, if you've ever 
uh, umpired at a club game, normally they'll give you the jacket and there'll normally be six rocks or six something so you can obviously count count the balls oh, in, each, in the over. That's what that's what happens at the amateur game. I, I'd imagine it's a little bit more sophisticated than that um, with the pros and stuff like that. And then obviously everyone's like, there's still one ball to go in the over. You know, and I'll shout on if you've if you've counted it short, which is the ultimate embarrassment. 1980, Wimbledon men's tennis, and it's an appropriate time because Wimbledon is on at the moment. But Bjorn Borg beat John McEnroe for his fifth straight Wimbledon crown with a famous 22-minute, 34-point four-set tiebreak. He went on to win in five. Um, 1990. Who was it? Was it Bjorn Borg? There was one. I was watching one about the tennis the other day. And uh, I can't remember if it was McEnroe. And he was saying when he played against somebody, it might have been Boris Becker. Becker. And he talked about basically his serve was that good. But apparently had this like tick that before he would serve and he would actually point where he was going to serve with his tongue. That was a a trait of Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he used to serve, he'd go like this. And if it was like that, it was obviously obviously if you're on the left hand side, it was going down the it was going close to the line or it was going wide and stuff like that. And one of the guys cottoned onto it and he's like he, but he didn't tell him until years after they finished playing. Are you a tum are you a tongue sticker outer on on kicking a foot rugby ball? No. No? No. You might you might I think I've seen your tongue out on a few constant when you're concentrating probably, on a few matters. Probably if I've got an outstanding moustache and I'm like... <laughs> You're trying to touch it. Touch it, yeah. Okay, moving up the order again. 1992, I'm going to stick with Wimbledon's men's tennis, but it was American Andre Agassi who won his first of eight Grand Slam singles titles, beating Goran Ivanisevic of Croatia 3-2. Now, we see Goran in the stands these days quite a bit, doesn't he? Because he is coaching your friend, uh, Jocko. My friend. Yeah. Ah, Novak's. Yes. Novaxine Djokovic. That's the one. That's the one, yeah. Now, my very last one for the sport and the history in the world today is in 2017, Arsenal broke their their club transfer record, paying £53 for uh, for Leon Stryker. Um, Lacazette and I remember that very well because I remember my football team wanted uh, Lacazette in the time. But we... Went without it. We stuck with our mid- midfielder, Declan Rice. And then you won the third tier of European football, you and know. And not only so. that, we've just sold him to Arsenal for uh, £105 million. Well, That's so a good I investment, think, I think, that one. I think we did very well in that investment. We've got three happy birthdays today. 1954, John Wright was born. He was a New Zealand cricketer. 1966, the famous Gianfranco Zola, who was an Italian footballer and also coached for Chelsea. He also coached West Ham there for a period. And 1979, Amelia Marismo, French tennis player who played the Fed Cup in 2003, Tour Finals 2005, and she also won the Grand Slam of Australia in Wimbledon in 2006. Look at you with all the stats, mate. Big international stories around the world just before we get into it, Remy. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti's off to Brazil. Steven Gerrard is off to uh, Saudi Premier League, isn't he? Yep. On the old Benjamins yep. out there. Yep. Uh, just Stop Oil has interrupted Wimbledon a couple of times, and I'm sure it will be a couple times more. Um, F1 is going back to China. Um, cricket, Remy, into your cricket? No. You've got to be after this no, show, have Remy. You seen, have you seen, uh, have you, I don't know if you've seen what's been going on. The big incident happened at the end of the, the Ashes test or something. I'll just get your opinion on it, Nathan. What do you, what do you make of it? What do I make of the incident of, uh, is it uh, Bearstow, the, yeah. the incident? Okay, so we have to, for, for our listeners that don't know, 
So let's let's set this up. Okay, yeah, so yeah. obviously you have a bowler and a batsman. I'm the batsman. Okay, I my job is to defend the stumps. Okay, mm-hmm. if it hits the stumps, I'm out. But sometimes, um, well, a lot of the time, what you're trying to do is hit the ball. Obviously, the further you hit it, the more runs you get. The goal is to get the most runs. Sometimes you can get the ball to move about, and you might edge it, and you could end up catching it. I would be out. It's no different hitting it up in the air and catching it. But um, what will happen is each time the batsmen change over and cross, they uh-huh. get one run. Now, there's a line which you... What's the word? Well, I guess It's called a crease. Yeah, it's, it's called a mark. Yeah, it's yeah, called a crease. Yeah, but that's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Okay, but there's a line which you have to... You don't have to stand within it, but if you stand outside of it, you're... Um, I mean... Your your fair game, I guess, would be the fair way to say it. It'd be almost like if the um, if you're a goalkeeper, you wouldn't stand behind the goal line in a penalty, would you? Because you'd be at a, a disadvantage. But some people like to obviously advance down the crease or whatever it might be. But if I'm stood outside the crease of that line, there, you're you can try and run me out. So if you threw the ball and hit your stumps, and I was short, mm-hmm. then I would be out. Now, what's happened is you'll get... Sometimes you can't get a batsman out. It's just impossible. And they'll try anything. And sometimes the guy behind the wicketkeeper might whip the ball over, throw it in, and, and you get back quickly. But what's happened is they've faced the last ball of the over. He's tapped his bat down uh, and then gone to walk to talk to his colleague. And at the same time that this all happened, the wicketkeeper has thrown the ball, <laughs> run him out. And I would say arguably probably won the game, you know, off that off that incident. Well, it was a big moment in play. Many things happen, or so many things swing in games, don't they? But it, he didn't throw the ball really intentionally to get him out, but it was more of a natural reaction. However, the rollout of his glove was a good one, and he's out. Yeah, it's fair black, game. Black and, black and white, black oh, and white I, for me. I think the English press have made out this whole... Cricket's a gentleman's sport, you know, and it's within the etiquette of the game. And, and you, you have seen it. There's a, there's a brilliant video of a guy called MS Dhoni who used to play for India where Ian Bell was given out. They went to tea and then reviewed, upon reviewing the decision, he basically walked into the umpires and said, yeah, that's not out. And he came back out to bat again. So you do get instances like that happening. And some, But I think it also depends on who you're playing against, whether that comes into it because... Yeah. Because you'll talk about instances where if you're playing and you know, as I said, you, you hit the, the hit the ball, you might edge it, mm-hmm. but nobody else might, it might be so faint, but you, as holding the bat, you know, you know if you've hit it and sometimes boys will edge it and not walk. But, you know, normally they say, if you know you're out, you walk. So sometimes they'll edge it. An interesting matter is that every time a player is declared out, they the, the, the opposing st- team still have to say the word how's that how's that so they have to make an appeal yeah so interesting one this rules it's an english sport oh, i'm not even going to talk about this thing anymore there's nothing wrong with it and i'm sick no, of the english I'm, press I'm, whining and whining and whining and whining whining I, it's out crack on move to the next series you're two nil down man up and get one against the aussies bring yourself I, I, back into I, I the also, series i also think that the whole sportsmanship or gamesmanship as you like to call it i think that's a i think that's a dead a thing of the past you know ultimately these guys play at the top level and it's about whatever it takes you know do whatever you can to win and if you can get a a cheap wicket like that then yeah play to them i do too Um, it's not a cheap wicket it's a wicket he was out of his crease and he was uh, and he was uh, okay but in terms of you know in terms of taking a stunning catch or a cracking delivery or something like that an an, an odd way to go yeah an odd way to go but a wicket nonetheless the other thing i will mention quickly as it is our domestic show i think it's important we give a uh shout out to 
Patricia van der Vecken, who obviously was a previous guest of the show, and she is qualified for the Olympics oh. in the 100 metres. She has been flying this year. Her times have been getting better and better and better. What's, re- what's really interesting is I, d- I don't see that on the uh, main, a lot of the main pages today. Uh, it's not cycling or uh, Tour de France or football, France, is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I'm, re- I'm really, really surprised. Congratulations, know, Patricia. When, we when hope was we the, can get you on before you go to the Olympics. When was the last time a Luxembourgish athlete qualified in athletics for the Olympics? Charles question. Charles Griffin in, t- in Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. And then after, before that... The final as well. Yeah. Huge, huge. In terms of the women's. Then I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Um, Remy, thank you very much for joining us. As always, uh, a lot of these conversations start off with a bit of a an interaction on Instagram. It's like cold calling. It just you know bypasses. It's not a cold call because you can go and have a creep on their profile, have a look, see what's going on here. We've got a, a long record of swimmers which you've uh, you've now joined. You've got a big set of shoulders on you. Mm. So if the swimming doesn't come out, we will have you playing rugby in absolutely no time at biggest, all. Biggest set of, one of the biggest set of shoulders you've seen yeah, in the show? Yeah, big old boys. Not a heavyweight as such. I mean, the, the boys from... Um, powerlifting. Powerlifting were big. Um, we've had a few, few of the basketballers in, but in terms of uh, width yeah. and, diameter of, the, of and diameter of the biceps I mean, we, <laughs> and we the saw, circumference of the biceps, they're certainly the biggest shoulders. We, we often joke about you have to turn sideways to walk through a door and stuff, but Remy actually had to do that to get into the studio this <laughs> yep. evening. Can Remy, you just give the, us Can um, you touch the ceiling, Remy? Very not far off. Yeah, not that far. Yeah, no, he's, he's a little bit he's still. Probably about, what was that? Probably about 15 <laughs> centimetres off the, the off Get in the gym, the, mate. Get in the gym. Um, Remy, let's cut to the chase here. 30 seconds about yourself. Who the hell are you and what are you doing in our studio? Go. Well, I'm uh, Remy Fabiani. I'm a swimmer. Uh, I was born in Luxembourg. I live in Zanvila. Yeah, Zanvila boy. There we go. The universe, <laughs> pod. I have to start the Luxembourg. Squash captain of Luxembourg, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, I'm a swimmer and I study in America in uh, Los Angeles ooh LA oh. huh? when we think what's we the name in... of the university you're at it's called uh, CBU California Baptist University it's a smaller it's a smaller school but with COVID and everything no one really had any times to reference to the coaches so it was difficult to find a university but I'm, but I'm really happy there so yeah Oh, happy days. And you've just finished your second year, is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Happy days, happy days. Back in Luxembourg, getting the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, what competitions have you got coming up next? Uh, right now, I mean, this weekend we got the uh, national championships. I mean, whatever you call it. And then uh, world that's championships. At, that's at the Japan. cock, is it? That's at the cock, yeah. And how does, that, how does that, is that just Luxembourgish swimmers or is that open to people from outside Luxembourg as well? If I remember correctly, it's open to to everyone who wants to join. There's just some some rules about okay. how you how you swim your finals. There's always there always needs to be a certain amount of Luxembourgish swimmers. A certain amount of uh, I think it's only two people from outside the country that can swim in finals. Oh, really, Scott's got himself a decent set of rubber ducky, um, yellow rubber smugglers. ducky budgie smugglers. He, mm-hmm. can, he could um, he could just rock up there and try and qualify if he put his name down last week. You could probably try. I mean, there's. Give me, a, give me, stories. give me a WhatsApp. I'll get him on with someone. <laughs> give give me a telephone number. Think, I'll put him in. The, yeah. I think the the time to to sign up for the meet was uh, was Monday. That was the deadline, though. Mate, it's who you know. It's who you know. We're going to keep in contact. <laughs> We're going to keep in contact until Here's a completely time. irrelevant question that's just popped into my head. Now, don't get me wrong. You boys are obviously uh, you know you're practicing and stuff, and I know there's two pools at the cock, and you do the majority. Um, 
of your training down in the dungeon. Is that right? In the dungeon, yeah. Yeah, and then every now and again you get into the the big boys' pool. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get bored at the end of training and go, "Mom, we'll go and mess around on the uh, on the diving boards here and stuff." I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> but to, I mean, they renovated the place a few years a few years back. But before that, you were able to just go from the pool uh, at the bottom all the way up yeah. to the one where you could just jump from the from, uh, from top the one. That's high up, mate. Yeah. But they renovated the whole place downstairs, and now you can only get through. Yeah, so way like a card and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. stay on this. At what at what height off the water would you start? Would you then say no? I'm not going head first. I'm going. I'm going. If you're jumping off a diving first. board, yeah. yeah. I mean. What? I don't feel too comfortable diving, I would say, but I've hit the, I've done a backflip from the ten meter and everything. Oh, Mate. I'm out. <laughs> Not happening. I'm out. Backflip off the ten meter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prove I'll it. Have a video you put right your now. money where your mouth is, you mate. I'm coming down to see this. Yeah. I have a video right now. If you want. Six two one fifty two five thousand. Six two one fifty two one. I'll do it at the end of the show, but yeah, I'll yeah, plaster yeah. it all over social media. <laughs> get the followers up, you know. The madman. <laughs> Full time swimmer, part time diver. Straight to it. In, in budgies or in boardies? Yeah, what would you wear? Were, 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 you, were you doing the 10 meter in your budgies? Yeah, in the budgies, yeah. Yeah, nice. What a good nice. man. Good man. Good man. Well, that was, it was after practice. I'm not changing. It was in Turkey, actually, the 10 meters. That was before the training camp in. Before going to European Championships last year. So what was it, like a dare or just as a bit of a laugh, you know? Uh, it was actually as a joke. There is uh, some guys that, that have been standing there on the 10 meter for about 20 minutes. And my coach just said, just go do a backflip. And usually he's not the type to say, oh, you should, you should go jump from the platform. Mate, he I usually rem- doesn't like I remember it. back in the day, we, were, we went on a school trip. And it must have been year nine. It was a year nine German trip. Um, and they basically fill up a bus with a load of English kids and they take you out. You speak a bit of German, but you go and do all the sightseeing, see all the castles and stuff. And one of the afternoons, they took us to this water park. Great crack. And we were there for two hours, okay? And you could go, you could dive off the diving boards, you go on the slide, swim in the pool, go for your ice creams, whatever you wanted to do. We obviously got there and the first thing you do is like, right, well, we're all going off that. So everyone piles up to you. I promise you there was a lad up there for an hour and 57 minutes. <laughs> and he'd just, he'd just be like this. <laughs> got the shuffle now. <laughs> you know, the whole time mm-hmm. and to, the, to the extent where he didn't even jump off it at the end. He spent the whole time up there. It must have been a slow walk, a slow walk down. Some people forget about it, but I don't forget about stuff. If I see him again, (laughs) that's the first thing I'll bring up. Do you remember that time in Germany when you wouldn't jump off the platform? Now, Remy, let's come down to lower heights when when we get to jumping off the, what would you call it, the starting grid? What's this? The block. The block, the block, yeah. yeah. Um, Your discipline, 50 metre free. I would say so, yeah. Yeah. As of right now, yeah. So it's it's all about power, isn't it? Power and speed. Um, grunt, is that more, I would say, for me, because I'm, I'm not as big as those guys who were world champions and, every, champions and everything, but um, for me, it's mostly being explosive and creating the least resistance possible. At one point, I think power is great, but you, you have to be elegant. So yeah, yeah, elegant, efficient. So you don't go in with an p- approach like I would, where you think to yourself, jump in, son, and go like a... Go like the bloody wind. Go no, for it. No technique there. No, just there, there's some of ba- it. Bat out of hell. Just go, son. There's there's some of it, but you have to be able to control 
how much of that you put in because that you know sometimes it's to the to the extent of 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 not being clean or not actually pulling the right distance underwater and everything so you have to be really aggressive but it's more like really being in the zone of knowing what you're doing how you're doing it so when you're when you're training for something obviously for the, for anybody listening yeah. in 50 meters is just one length of the uh, olympic mm-hmm. pool so does a lot of your training revolve around you sort of working at that top end of your of your max effort or is it is it rare that you'll actually go full noise you know and do go go 100 percent um in your training mm. it's hard to i would say some of everything i mean it's technique work there's uh I'm also doing aerobic work even as a sprinter and everything, not as much as other guys that we swim with, but um, it's training your top end speed and your technique and try and combine both of them. But in, in practice, you'll rarely actually be at your top speed because you won't be fully prepared and you won't be in race situations. So sometimes what we often do is use resistance bands that, that pull you f- faster towards the wall and everything. So you kind of mimic the speed you're actually going at. So last week I was actually doing a session like that and it was really interesting to see even more that at one point power and speed doesn't really do anything for you if you're not really cutting through the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pulling me at like three meters a second, which is really quick for swimmers. I I mean, I think the fastest swimmers maybe go 2.5 meters a second. And um, as soon as I stopped swimming and stopped focusing, I went straight down to two meters. So it's... It's impressive how resistance really slows you down. So those that resistance in your training, you would actually could could practice going over rather than going over fifty meters. You could actually go over 50, seventy meters or eighty meters, as would you would as um, to make it a bit more realistic, let's say, or or or, or not. I, w- I would go shorter, for example. So if I really want to try and, like you said, go at it and go with power at practices, it's fifteen meters or twenty five meters off the blocks and everything. Keep it shorter. And then, you know, of course, sometimes I'll have test sets where I have to do... Last year, the biggest set I did was 650s all out. And uh, I had as much rest as I needed in between. But that's really like a sprint endurance. It comes back to sprint endurance at one point because you won't be at your maximal effort after two, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. It's very, very interesting. Obviously, Nathan and I love the hearing about the technical and, and, and also some of the science behind the different types of training. Because obviously, you know, you talk about getting an edge and anything that ultimately you feel that is working you harder then it's sort of almost like that irrespective of whether it is it's almost like that placebo effect where it if you feel faster you're going to think you can go faster and that's going to make you go faster when you're uh, when when you're in a 50 meter race obviously if you're against the field it's not like someone's you know a week and a half behind you when they finish you know everyone sort of finishes um at, at the same sort of time and then obviously um as uh, as as the field gets narrowed down as you progress in the competition that sort of gets smaller and smaller doesn't it are you when you're when you're going do you know you're going quick and can you feel if you've got you know uncle pete here um who's you know you Checking know, you know, face, face, you know, a rig, a rig for radio. We'll say, yeah. um, hit, if, hit can you bummer. do? Because obviously, the last thing you do is look over because obviously that you know messes you with your alignment and yeah. stuff like that. But do you know, just like with your peripherals, if you're ahead or you, or how does that work? I would say the two guys next to you, you know where they are pretty well. Um, and usually, you, I mean, in longer races, you can base where you're at in the race compared to other people. Sometimes that that can be surprising too. Sometimes, but in a fifty, 
I would say I can usually tell within, you know, the first 10 meters if it's going to be good or not. Yeah. You just kind of feel that you're explosive. It's hard to explain. It's like yeah, the yeah. zone a little bit. But it's also because you're, you're very much, whilst in swimming it is, you're competing against everyone else, but you are also competing against yourself, mm. aren't you? And it's just sort of, you're just there and you're waiting for the, what do you call it? The beep, the gong? It's not a gong, but do you know what I mean? The, yeah. The f- well, it's not a gun, is it? But it's like the starting noise, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, it's class. I used to think back to the, even, you know, do, I've done the odd swimming gala, a fairly horrendous experience, to be brutally honest, because you always, yeah, it's the nature of the beast, you know, you go out too hard and absolutely goose yourself, and to be honest, trying to do two, two lengths of the pool's fairly, uh, fairly challenging, fairly mate, challenging. to be honest, even when you do false start, but Nathan, you got any experiences of, of swimming races, swimming galas back in the day? Why yeah. is it called a gala? Where does that word come from? A gala? gala? Yeah, they no. call it in the in 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 uh, the English speaking okay. world. They would say a swimming gala. Swimming gala. Hmm. Uh, if you're listening in, tell meat. me why it's called a swimming yeah, gala. If you're, if you're English, yeah, swim, meat. Meat. swimming meat. meat. Yeah, meat. Well, in New Zealand, we had meats, and yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, the only sort of meat that I'd really go to would be stuck into a pie, to be honest with you. <laughs> but no, yeah, it was in, in my day I could um, represented my school on numerous occasions, Wairapa College. Why meaning water, actually. Wairapa Bush, huh? In, in, in Māori, why means, uh, means water, uh, Scott Brown. But um, yeah, had a couple of meats. Probably the, uh, I think it was the 25, I think it's at, oh, maybe the 25 metre dash, just one length of the um, Macedon Pool. Yeah. If that. If that, if it was twenty five meters, day, beautiful how, set of black smoke. How did you, smoke, uh, um, how did you end up getting into swimming in the first place? Did you play any other sports when you were growing up? Um, I, I started with basketball when I was really young, though. I mean, really young. I was probably six to seven. It doesn't surprise us. I mean, look at the size of him. Yeah, looks I like was it looks like I was really small, though. I mean, really small. I was very small, and I mean, I still am skinny, but I was skinnier when I was young. So I didn't really get the ball as much, and I was really competitive when I was young. And so first time we went, um, I used to take lessons with my grandma in the north of France where we would just, she would just hire someone to give me lessons to learn how to swim. And I was usually pretty good. And then one day on our first um, swim lesson, so to say, with the school, um, middle school and uh, middle school or pre-primary school. I don't yeah, know. well, middle school is like, the, it's up to 16, isn't it? It's like yeah. the tail end of primary school and, and, uh, and up to 16. I think it's 9 to 16, it might be. But yeah, go on, sorry. And um, I, was first, I, I, was a, I was the first one to touch the wall, so I decided right there that I wanted to swim because I like to... There's a good answer for you, Scott Brown, about what, why to do sport in schools. Champions. Don't don't set me off <laughs> on it. Don't yep. set me off on it. Here's another I've got another good one for you. Now obviously I don't want to slag off the Yanks on here, but the Yanks love getting amped for stuff like this. Mm-hmm. We've all seen the some of the videos going around of the college games and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff where the boys get absolutely bouncing and jumping around mm-hmm. and smashing helmets for the NFL. Do you get any of that in swimming? Because obviously, you know, let's say for example, you know, touch wood, you'll be at the Olympics next year and the pool's all set, the crowds, you know, it's 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 just a conveyor belt of events when it's the swimming, you know, every couple of minutes there's an event coming out uh, and the, the they're all out the back in the changing room. Um, what's that like? Do you get an individual cubicle? Are you in a changing room with all the guys or girls or whatever you're going to be competing with? Um, um. Uh, it's very different than what you would imagine, I would say. You don't really go to locker rooms. Everyone, I mean, big big federations have their sort of tents, kind of. Yeah. Like little tents where you, just one person tents where you can change in there. And every country has their assigned 
spots with like duct tape kind of and um everyone just stays there most of the time some i mean the bathrooms are always packed but uh usually people just change on the deck like that and there's yeah. not really any locker rooms in america it's different but on international races there's everyone just changes on the deck with the towel yeah and, and, and on you goes. go and Would is you, there go on sorry but so but then sometimes you put a robe on to keep you a uh, warm i just get dressed i mean we get the gear uh sweaters and everything pants shoes but that's how ah, i stay warm yeah so would you you'd go with a with a with a full track versus yeah. a robe with the hood on i'm thinking uh headphones i don't have a hood, on like but bell bar like yeah, a, yeah. like a like a boxer you don't like really have one. like a a whole parka some people yeah. go with like a, a full-on parka that goes all that's the way it, down that's to the feet it. but other people just go with a t-shirt and this just everyone's preferences yeah, yeah each their own and stuff. Yeah. He- headphones on or no no headphones um i used to have headphones on until the last second of the start really just keep myself in the zone as much as i could but i've started to take them out a little bit earlier just because i feel like focusing a little bit more and visualizing more my 50 has helped me in the past the lad's mature <laughs> we'll see we'll see we'll see when we go on the diving board with him um is there any any superstitions that you have? Because actually, this uh, I guess this this journey of us getting swimmers onto the show started off um, when I was uh, on Instagram and I had a look, and Julian Hanks had this cracking photo of him where he does like the whale impression. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen a guy do it on a night out, and I'll let you, you know, <laughs> imagine how that ended up um, after doing something like that. But like you know, sprays it out to the side. Do you have any anything that you do? I don't really have anything in specific. I, for me, the the biggest superstition, so to say, I would say, is the preparation leading up to it. And it starts. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes a bad thing. But if you know you've had a good week of training, uh, then you know you're. Yeah, you're and then also how I slept that that night, how I wake up, and then usually I've I have the same warm up routine every time, and I've done so many by now that I know. If it's a good warm up routine yeah, yeah, or not, yeah. if I feel good that day or not. Do you, do you have, do you have a, 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 there's so many questions you want to throw at you. <laughs> the first one is bouncing back to the locker room. So when you're in, uh, when obviously you're out in the States and stuff, are they, do you know, do you have a couple of the Yanks are like, whoa, yeah, you, you know, all that sort of stuff. Do you get any of that? You can be more, honest. yeah. yeah. You get, oh, you I do. mean, <laughs> I mean, I thought you were about to say, let's go, baby. Let's go. I mean, there's definitely some crazy people over there, but I mean, it's a different sport too over there. You you play more as a team, so people are automatically more passionate about what you do. Yeah. Um, Whether it's swim or any other sport, uh, you go there as a team, you compete as a team. So there's people who are going to, you know, dry scoop some pre workout and. And you're going to see they look like they just took... Uh, I'd love to put, Nathan, I'd love to put but, Nathan on some pre-workout uh, uh, before the next one. The only reason that's popped into my head is I saw this clip on Instagram uh, and it's a guy called Alex Good. Um, and he's talking about, you know, the funniest thing you've seen before a rugby match. And they, he knows a guy who was playing for England and they were playing against Australia. Now, this is probably in like, this is around, um, this has got to be around 2003, um, a few years ago and there was a fella that played on this is when they had all the leaguey boys said Lottie Takiri Wendell Saylor Matt Rogers all these boys coming over from the NRL and Wendell Saylor and they were playing I'm not sure if it was the Olympic qualifiers or they were playing sevens and your boy um, 
Wendell Saylor was like, woo woo, woo. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> All this sort of stuff before the game. Um, just yeah. interesting if you do get a lot of that because there is a lot of the. Um, I've been I've been down watching RCL and they get a little bit ju- they jump around and get all a bit hyped. Someone makes a good tackle or they went they do a turnover and and they, uh, well it's not really a, a they don't really do that deep sounding woohoo it's more very Choo! high pitch. all that all it's that very yeah high pitch. all that all the kiwis and, these guys are rugby. and the the the, the, uh, the Samoans and stuff love a, a bump you know you, if you bump. get bumped you hear about it. but when you um when you see you know something like that the reason. I wouldn't do do that in the game, you know. The woo because yeah, mate, karma swings its head. No problem at all, you know. Um, Can I come back to? um, Can I come back to when we're talking about this little pre-race routine? Mm -hmm. So, and you talk about how you want to sleep. You know, make sure you sleep well the night before. Everything's going to make sure you obviously eat well. It's all part of that process. So you you wear you wear your flip flops or your jandals before you go into the. Uh, Before you get into the pool, uh, my shoes. Shoes, oh, actually shoes. shoes yeah. So if you take, oh, so if you take those shoes off, mm-hmm. would you would you be happy if the the left was on the right side or the right was on the left side, or you'd be okay? It would be uh, yeah, straight up and down. I don't really care. You how. don't care. No, you would just kick them off and meet your. So you have like you have a box to put stuff in, uh, depending on the meat. Yeah. Yeah, but what happens if like you get changed and then you you put your you know, you put your slider into the box and somehow it slips off and falls into the pool. You know, how do you react to something like that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because that doesn't normally happen, does it? Would you be like, oh God, what's going, <laughs> what's going not, on now? I'm usually not too stressed about, I mean, it depends. Sometimes I, my jacket's not fully in the box. So I kind of yeah. just put it back in and everything. But so for me, it's more just staying calm and the lead up to everything and you know, if I know I can, I can swim well. I, I'm going to swim. Well, I well. think, in summary, by the time he 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 leaves the studio here at, at, at Let's Talk Sport, and, he won't want to come back because we no, keep asking him annoying questions. What, I mean, he's stuff. prepared for the unpredictable. I mean, he, <laughs> he knows how he's going to how he's going to handle. We're throwing some uh, random random questions. Eh? So, coming back to the racing, you you've got your your speedos, or have you got uh, the tight longer ones down to your down to your knee? Not quite your knee. I don't think it's that. The, far, the tight longer ones. Tight longer ones, like the jammers or whatever. Yeah, um, and you find they give you. Will they, will they go faster than the speedos? Yeah, I like, think goes faster than the than the than the budgies, brother. Wow, <laughs> that all depends on the bush. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's um, that's another thing too. Because um, you're not allowed to wear full body now, are you? Yeah, no, it's not allowed anymore. But. Um, the full body suits were a little bit too crazy with the performance. People, um, I used to swim best times with those suits at practice. And uh, we did, usually there was a tradition where um, the older swimmers would bring all the suits they used to use at races and everyone would just wear them on the 31st of uh, December, so for uni- New Year's Eve. And we'd just, you know, do some 50s, do some 100s, and everyone would just swim best times. Really? And uh, so they, they are, are so they are that bit. they are that they are that yeah, much yeah. faster. If, there's if, some, I mean, there's there's even some some proof of people who were really quick beforehand and never showed back up after because their body allowed them to swim a very specific way with those suits and not the same after that because how you flow is very different. Do you do you still have a suit? I I never I never owned one. I have the the jammers that goes that go on until the knee, but um, if never we a full body suit, if we um, had a race, do you think it would make much of a difference to us? For, for you? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually you, told you, you that a, you, my swimming style is very suited to triathlons, actually, I've yeah. been told. Your swimming 
Yeah, because I'm all upper body and I don't, I basically don't kick my legs. So they like drag like this, which apparently is a good thing because then you save your legs for the, rest. for the marathon and then the 112k on the bike afterwards, you know. So, <laughs> so this weekend you've got the national championships. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go straight to cut straight to the chase. Ask the big one. Where is swimming in Luxembourg? Is it is it in a good place? Is it on the is it on the way up? Have we got some Have we got some youngsters coming through the sport? Is well, there a talking bunch to of these one sports? of them? Is there, is there many at um, sport um, sport lycée, for example? Um, or will you find Or will you find out in the pool on? Um, I mean, there's Saturday. There's obviously a hole in general with COVID and everything. A lot of people stopped. Most of my friends stopped actually. Um, right after COVID, when, when everyone started going back to school in 2000 and end of 2020 or 21, I don't really remember that much. But I think there's a hole in general, and most of the young guys start to to leave the country in general to go to America for NCAA's. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty interesting project. Plus, interesting project must be the coolest project. <laughs> it's pretty nice. It's, it's pretty. <laughs> pretty nice. I, I don't. I don't. You know, there's uh, the biggest. The, the NCAA obviously do get a bit of bad press about you know some things and stuff. But in terms of the the conveyor belt, the factory, the athlete factory mm. that is over there in the states. You know, if you can go over there and mix it with the best, it's only going to put you in a in a good place. I mean. Yeah. To change the uh, the the event a little bit, but when you look at the um, they always come out with who's running the fastest times in something like the hundred meters and stuff like this. Most of these guys are in college, you know, they're not even on the Olympic mm-hmm. team or anything like that. So, very very uh, very interesting to you know relate to that that obviously American experience. Yeah, it's I mean it's really nice. I'm very happy I took that decision, and plus it allows me to you know basically study and and swim for free. And get uh, you know the old life experience as well. Don't forget about that. But homesick. Um, yes and no. I would say no most of the time. Sometimes, of course, it's things you miss. But what what are, what are the things that what are the things you miss? Uh, family, yep. in general, uh, friends. But maybe just how calm it is over here. Sometimes it's. I mean, I live. You know, there's 13 yep. million people over there, so it's never really quiet. The first time I came back, that was really. A, sh- a shock to me when you know when you go to a concert and your ears stop buzzing yeah. I had the same thing the first night I was here because you always hear you know ambulances police cars and people just yelling in the streets cars highways and it never stops you know, I've the, heard some gunshots and stuff yeah. but you're, in the, you're in the big smoke there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's, yeah, uh, the first day I was there I saw um, two policemen just completely <laughs> destroying a guy on the street in the middle of the street Putting him upside down, throwing him head first on the ground. I was like, "Oh, I'm here." Yeah, you're not. They heard you were coming over, so yeah, they yeah. Uh, were like, "Certainly um, not going to get that." And uh, Nathan, you're going to uh, sneak out here. You got a big meeting. I'm going to uh, do a quick wrap. Um, Remy, if you want to jump over and uh, steal Nathan's mic when he uh, foxtrot Oscars, mm-hmm. um, a few. Uh, Domestic stories, I guess. Obviously, we said about uh, Patricia in the hundred meters. So, congratulations to her. Love to get her back on as well. We've got handball. Handball qualifying matches for the European and World Championships were drawn this morning. In the first round of the World Cup qualification, Luxembourg will play two matches against Israel at the beginning of November. They will also uh, face Latvia in the first round, but these two matches will be played next year in January. The World Cup is in twenty twenty five, and then the European Championships the following. Yeah, in football, Daniel Sanani will play for St. Pauli, a Hamburg club in the second uh, Bundesliga. Um, he obviously was at Wigan the tail end of last season. Um, 
I guess, um, Remy, we'll just uh, carry on with this. Obviously, uh, one last one is commiserations to RCL, who unfortunately um, narrowly lost out to Hausenstamm at the weekend, 15-0. Hopefully the boys can regroup over the summer and have another crack at it next season. Um, So you said you played a bit of basketball um, growing up. What um, Did you play anything else or anything? No, I mean... I used to play on the playgrounds and everything, but I mean, I only played basketball for a year and a half. So yeah. But at what age did you, you know, did it was swimming and that was it and you're swimming every day. At what age did that come about? Um, pretty early. I mean, when I was 11, 12, I knew that's kind of what my my daily life was like anyways. You don't yeah. really have any other... So where where, it, where is your local pool? Is it the, up at the cock, is it? Uh, that's where I used to swim the yeah. most, yeah. It's cock and then there's all these small school pools, so to say. Yeah. But that's the only, am I right in thinking, is there that the only, well, it's the two Olympic-sized ones. Is that it? Or there, is there another one in? There's a 50-metre pool at the uh, campus where the Atene is. Yes, 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 yes. I don't know if it's like officially Olympic. I don't know how they quantify that. But yeah. I mean, a, there's a funny story about when the, when the cock was first built, they uh, dug the pool and mm-hmm. it was actually too short. Yeah, yeah, because apparently someone messed up the measurements. So by the time they put all the plates and the tiles around it, it was short. Yeah, that's that, that's a true story. Yeah. So there you and go. So what did they do? Well, obviously they well, money wasn't an issue, was it? So they drained it and uh, made it a little bit bigger. Um, in terms of, you've obviously got these these events coming up, but it's pretty. It sounds like it's pretty full on. And then what? Get to mid August, and then it's back out to the back out to the states. Exactly. Yeah. And then when when does when does the swimming season? really kick off in the US then again because presumably you'll have a lot quite a heavy training load before you go back to studying and competing um, I would say that the swimming season in general in America is pretty packed uh, there's races every especially in January I mean there's those you know four month a four month three month block where there's a lot of practice but there's a lot more racing going on than usually in Europe and then in January there's races every weekend and you go to these different places a lot of traveling and um, the peak of the season is end of uh, february for usually conference meets and then for national for the national championship meet it's um end of march so a month later yeah so that's usually pretty tough having those two big races one after another and usually plus america's a lot bigger so you usually are traveling a lot too by plane and it's it's not. It's not that easy. Yeah, I bet. I mean, is it? Do you, uh, is it just a case of they take care of everything? So you just get told we're traveling at this time. You need to be outside at this time. And yeah. do they bring all your equipment with you, or do you have to bring? Are they? You know, well, obviously, it's not as much equipment with something like swimming, yeah. is it? But do they just bring your bag and, and and off you go, sort of thing? I mean, you get your equipment at the at the beginning of the year, like the, the team merch and everything, and then you decide what you need. Uh, for warm-ups, I mean, swimmers had different different preferences and what they like to use if it's fins, a kickboard or paddles. Some people bring nothing. It just depends on the swimmer, but, you know, everything is pretty well organized and you just take your stuff and you go out and perform. I mean, it's, it's one of those sports where what people see on the TV, the uh, big events, there's so much more to it than just turning up and competing. You know, I'd imagine you have you know, a lot of dark days where you're training or walking to the gym and it's cold and it's yeah. snowing and there's a lot of reflection going on there. How, how do you stay motivated for, for stuff like that? Um, it's a good question. I mean, for me, it, it, I, I nearly stopped swimming not that long ago. 
So I was more, I usually used to be very focused on purely performance, you know, swimming well. And obviously at one point when you get older, that doesn't always work the same. So for me, it was, you know, I, I just kind of get a understanding of who I am a lot in difficult situations. And I just like, you know, swimming is hard. You know, sometimes at 5 a.m. in the morning, you don't want to wake up, especially our pool is outdoors all year. So when it's, you hear it raining at 4.30 in the morning, you don't really want to get up. But, you know, you learn something about yourself every time you go out there. And uh, that's something I've learned to enjoy more and more the older I get because it detaches a little bit from purely the performance aspect. Yeah. And it gives me just um, a, a discipline in general, a daily discipline that that I've noticed more and more in general. Even here at home when when I don't have practice in the morning, just feel like I'm not really being productive. Yeah, yeah. And um, everything just flows into the rest of the day. It, it's funny that I, I would say that doesn't just relate to swimming. I'd say anybody who's been lucky enough to play a decent level of sport because, look, anybody, and this is no disrespect, anybody can rock up and train for a football club a couple of nights a week yeah. and then play at the weekend or something. But if you're really that serious, there's there's so much more to it than just, you know, whether it's gym or conditioning work yeah. or, or technical work, whatever it is. There's so you really have to live even if you're not professional, you have to have a professional mindset because ultimately you want to you wanna try and get better. Now, as you get older, it's obviously uh, a little bit different because people have other reasons why they stay involved in sport. If it's to stay fit, if it's to go and meet people in a new country or something like this, or you know, maybe it's to get away from the kids, whatever, yeah. whatever it might be. But when... Um, um, when you're... When you arrive, you say your pool's outdoor. Yeah. So does oh. it ever get cold in LA? No. In the morning, it gets a little cold. It's kind of, I would say the LA, especially I'm more inland. I mean, obviously I'm in LA, but I'm technically I'm in Riverside, so it's a little bit more inland. Um, it's it's a little bit like a desert climate, so yeah. it's really hot in the day. And then cold Sometimes at night. it can get pretty cold. I mean, it, you know, not cold to Luxembourg standards, but, you know, still five degrees in the morning outside is not is not that warm in general i mean as you say when it's absolutely lashing it down and you've got to go and get in the pool are there any did you have any initiations at your college or something when you first started uh usually it's the the haircuts and everything yeah but nothing too bad actually uh you know a lot of things is more in between you know with a few friends they take you to a party to ucla and everything no one's really supposed to know that (laughs) you know it's all right, you know, we won't, we won't, uh, we won't share on that. Um, just before I uh, make this very light-hearted and finish up with a few funny questions, what advice would you uh, pass on to anybody who's thinking of getting involved in swimming or is, you know, a little bit younger and sort of aspires to, to go on to that level, maybe go out to the States and swim? With What advice would you pass on to them? Um, for me, any sport, I would say, is, you know, don't waste your time. I would say... I was like that when I was young. I usually just showed up, left. And I think there's a lot more you can get from swim in general. It's You put so much time into it, and a lot of coaches in America talk about it. You wake up at 4.30 in the morning, you have to go to bed early and everything. And if you really want to commit to it, there's no point, in, there's no point to be there just to put in 50%. I think for me... It's always to be there at 100% because that's time that I'm never going to get back. And at least I'm enjoying that time and I'm doing something productive. So, you know, enjoy your time with your friends. That's important too. But enjoy every moment, I would say. I mean, it's interesting when we were talking about sort of the psychological side of of, of sport and you're talking about how you're 
your mental your mental side of it. But I can just tell by the way you're you've talked about how you were the sort of guy who would just rock up, do it, and then leave. So your I guess your mindset has evolved as you've as Nathan says as, you, as you've matured. Mm-hmm. But where, where was there a certain point where that happened where you just thought right? If I'm serious about this, I need to do this. Or did someone have a conversation with you, or did you see something that made um, you think differently about that? I think it was a few. I mean, a few events, so to say. Um, I had a pretty serious accident on my teeth where, I mean, I'm still dealing with it today and it happened 2016. I had surgery this morning. Yeah. So, um, And then a conversation. It's actually with, uh, I swam with uh, Pitt uh, Brunnenburg. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, back in the day, I was in a, in a second group of the Swimming Luxembourg. And uh, him and his team came to swim a, a practice with us that day because I think the pool was closed or something. So they came to the pool we used to train at on Saturdays. And back then I was a little bit, you know, people, I mean, people that know me know I was, I was a problem usually, <laughs> but I was very talented. And uh, I did this session with uh, Julien. And uh, to this day, I don't know if he was allowed or not. I don't know. But I swam next to him most of the set. I mean, next to him. I was within his reach. And back then, he was this guy who was swimming national records and everything. And after the session, my coaches took me out and like, see see what you can do. You know, but you're not, you're not training like you can do stuff like that. And you have to wake up. And with that, my accent on my teeth just made me notice that, you know, like I just said too, that I need to enjoy every moment and not waste any time. I think it was a very slow progression to that and then other components, but it's a, I don't think we have enough time for that anymore. That's the beauty of hours, not long <laughs> enough, mate, is it? Um, obviously, I said I'd uh, make it a bit more lighthearted. We spoke about the budgie smugglers and the boardies. You're a budgie smuggler man. Yeah, no, the, the practice, sh- yeah. Yeah. Practice, yeah. And for, for races, I mean, I go surfing in LA, so I have my board shorts yeah. too. But uh, yeah, but budgie smugglers. For oh, practice. Good man, good man. And if you could, would you go with the moustache or, uh, or the mullet? Mustache, mustache, very I European. Have a mustache for my for my races. Yeah, when the games in the small states, I kept my mustache. Would you go the big? I don't have enough mustache, mate. Trust me, if you start growing long enough, we're actually gonna we're starting a Movember team uh, in in uh, November. So we get all a, all a load of boys on board, uh, raise a bit of uh, awareness and money for men's health. So I'll keep you on board for that, and it'll be. Clean shaven first day of November. I do normally cheat by about three months before it because, as you can see, this is about a month's growth here. My <laughs> facial hair is fairly pathetic. And then the next question, which doesn't really apply to you swimmers, but presumably you guys get in and you chuck in some tin, chuck in some weights around and stuff as part of your training as well, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot. Um, a lot of weight. Oh, all right, big man. I, mean, um, I don't lift a lot, but it's a lot of my, it's a lot of my practice um, time. Would you, if you're wearing socks, would you wear them up or would you wear them down? I don't really have a preference too much. Usually I have short socks because that's what I usually wear. The ankle socks, like. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, But if I have long socks, long socks. In America, I have more long socks. And then here... Yeah, the Yanks love the crew. They call them the crew socks, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Hugo Batani, he's a big fan as well. He loves them as well. Probably copied it off me. (laughs) Um, And then the last one I'll ask you is part of the... um, the way the way sports has evolved over recent times is about trying to maximise that involvement from the crowd. You know, whether it's through music or chants and stuff like that. Now, when you come out for your uh, you come out for your final, they'll just announce you, and then that's it, and it's move on to the next person. But if that went on for a bit longer, and they could play a play a piece of music that was your music, you know, if you ever watched wrestling back in the day, you have your walkout mm-hmm. music. 
Um, what what music would you walk out to? It depends on the the moods. Usually, actually, before meets, I uh, I go kind of on a lookout for songs that I feel like are gonna hype me up. Yeah, I always do that a month before. Sometimes when there's not any new music that that speaks to me, I don't really find anything. And so I would say what I usually play is um, it's uh, still DRE from Dr. Dre. Uh, that's usually the one that always comes back. Oh, very good. Part of your routine. Yeah, if it isn't broke, it, it doesn't need to be. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't need to be fixed. Obviously, the the sport of swimming is continuing to evolve. Is there anything that you would change uh, with the current rules in swimming? Oh, bring uh, bring back the speed suit. That'd be nice for a year, not too much. I mean, I guess. Well, the problem with that is it starts being more like a Formula One race at one point. It's just who makes the better suit to, to some extent. Yeah, or relies much. on that technology, doesn't yeah. it? As but, opposed to how, how fast. Cool. Or. I would like to do like a, a different races, like a, just a, only kicking, for example, with your kickboard and stuff. I'm really good at that, but it's not actually an official race. So that's unfortunate. But I mean, a rule, tough to say. I think the rules are pretty well well made in swimming at this yeah point. i mean it's 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 you know it's fairly objective you get there first yeah. you win sort of thing isn't it um look we can never uh, escape this nathan and i often talk about drug taking and all that sort of stuff in sport is that is that going on in america in in the world of swimming i mean we don't obviously hear hear about it over here about people getting done but is is do you have you do you hear about stuff in the press of people doing stuff um i mean in, for swimming specifically i rarely hear something um, there's that one um, guy from China who uh, Sun Young who tested positive. He was an Olympic champion, and he uh, he destroyed his sample or something like that with a hammer after um, after his test because I I think he knew it was positive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably, but I don't think. I mean, as I'm, I think there's Caleb Dressel, one of the best swimmers in the world, who who once said to uh, on on a TV show that you know he believes not everyone is clean. In his races, but I, I don't think I, if I just go from the fact that everyone has the same opportunities. If if you, if you're stuck with uh, what other people are doing, you're not really focusing on yourself. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great point to to make there, mate. I mean, it's the nature of the beast as sports becomes more and more professional. People will try and cut mm -hmm. corners, you know. And oh, I could sit here and tell you about all sorts of ways you can. Yeah. Not get round drug testing, but see the benefits of it and then not be, you know, not be found positive. I mean, I always talk about, actually normally talk about movies and stuff and I haven't talked about it yet and I'm just looking, it's just gone 59. But if you are listening in, go and watch uh, that film, uh, oh, sorry, the documentary Project Icarus on um, on Netflix. It's about all the, uh, all the, uh, the you know, the, the state funded dope taking uh, out in Russia and stuff. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty, it's pretty hectic. Um, Remy. Absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Stay in comms with us. Uh, we're going to tee up a few bits later on whilst you're still uh, still free, living the student dream out here in uh, in Luxembourg. Uh, we wish you all the best at the uh, upcoming events. And as I said, stay in comms and uh, we'll hear from you soon, mate. As always, and no problem at all, mate. As always, you can check out the rest of the team uh, from tomorrow morning uh, at 6 a.m. You've got the Sam Steen show, you've got the lunchbox with uh, steps at 12, and then you've also got the home stretch, Melissa Dalton. You've also got the DB3 show with Dave Burrows, and of course, the hangover show on a Sunday from uh, 10 o'clock. Until then, it's Cher. Here is Cher, one intercepted. Good 
Have the old legs got the pace? He's in front by far. 